Welcome to online worship. Well, the world has certainly changed in the past few weeks. So what follows is a half-hour service of scripture and sermon and some music. Maybe it'll help ease all of our spirits a little bit as we're all locked down and trying to do the best we can to help our community. Let's worship God together. lectionary readings seem strangely appropriate, as they often do, for the time in which we're all locked down and trying to see our way clear to the future. They have a lot to do with vision and a lot to do with going with God's vision. The Old Testament reading is one of most people's favorite from the Bible, and it will serve as our call to worship. Let's join together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our hymn today seems appropriate since we just passed by St. Patrick's Day, which most of us didn't get a chance to celebrate. And this hymn is an ancient Irish poem sent to an ancient Irish ballad. Be Thou My Vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, but be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord, heart of mine own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of The New Testament reading today is a great story. I know I often say that about all the stories in the Bible, but this is really a great story. It's about a man who was born blind, and Jesus comes across him and uses the occasion to teach the disciples and anyone else who's listening a great lesson about seeing and blindness. It's from the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter. It's pretty long, so hunker down a bit. And listen to the great reading from John, the ninth chapter. 
As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered them, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus had said this, he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. Then the man went and washed and came back and was able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Well, where is he? He said, I do not know. So they brought the man to the Pharisees, who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, you know, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and they asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but we do, know, we do not know how it was that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He's of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Well, I do not know whether he is a sinner or not. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I can see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. 
If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sin, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Now Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I do believe, and he worshipped to Jesus. So Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to Jesus, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I told you it was a great story. This is such a great story because it not only is the miracle of a man who was born blind from birth, but we have Jesus healing him and doing it in such a way that others might feel a little degrading. And then after that, we have a whole bunch of people in the story all trying to cover their rear ends to make sure they don't get blamed for what happened. Jesus runs across the man who was born blind. Well, the man certainly wants to be healed, so Jesus spits on the ground in front of him. Now, make a mental picture of that. Jesus spits on the ground in front of him, makes mud out of the spit and the dirt, and smears it on his eyes. Now, I've been fortunate enough to travel in the Middle East a couple of times, and one of the great things you can do to really dishonor someone is to spit on the ground in front of them. But the man's blind, so he doesn't know. So Jesus makes the spittle mud and smears it on his eyes and then goes tells him to wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent, which is where Jesus sent him to the pool that means sent. And when he returns, he can see what a great rejoicing. Can you imagine? You haven't been able to see colors. You haven't been able to see light. You haven't been able to see anything all of your life since the day you were born. And in the society in which he lived, this man can do nothing but beg. He sits on the corner of the road, and he has a cup or a bowl or a cloth, and he collects alms from other people because he's a pitiable creature because he can't see. Now, in this day and age, the 21st century, we don't treat blind people like that anymore. can be absolutely productive in the world, and we don't even see much of blindness as a negative as it once was. But back in those days, there was no choice. The man became a beggar because he was blind. Now notice what happens from then on. The whole rest of the story is about people trying to cover their rear ends. First and foremost, the man tries to cover his rear end because he doesn't give too much information. Who did this to you? I don't know. I'm blind. I couldn't see him. A man came and spat on the mud. I think his name was Jesus, and he healed me. And all I know is I can see. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, they're trying to cover their rear end because they don't believe that Jesus is a prophet, much less the Messiah. So they ask the man repeatedly, and when he doesn't give them the right answers, they ask his parents repeatedly. Well, his parents try to cover their rear end, too, because they say, look, we do know this is our son. Duh, at least they can start with that information. And we do know he was born blind. That they certainly know, because they've had to raise him and bring him up to become an adult. 
But how he was healed, we have no clue. They're afraid of the Jews. They're covering themselves. The Pharisees are still not happy, so they ask a man again. And this time the man also tells them, Look, I already told you what happened. He spit in the ground in front of me. He made mud. He smeared it on my eyes. He asked me to go to the pool and wash off. I did everything he said, and now I can see. That's all I know. I don't know if he's a sinner. I don't know if he's the Son of God. I don't know if he's the Messiah. I don't know who he is. All I know is, now I can see, and from the day I was born, I've been blind. Well, the Pharisees push him a little further, and then he really turns on them in a very interesting way. Why do you want to know so much about this man, the blind man says? Do you want to become one of his followers too? Well, this really makes them angry. And they turn to the man and throw him out of the synagogue and make sure he understands he's not welcome there again. Just what the parents feared would happen does happen to the man who was born blind. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus tracks him down, finds the man who was formerly blind, and asks him if he believes in the Messiah, the coming of the Son of Man. Well, of course he does. He's a resolute and orthodox Jew. But he says, if you can point him out to me, then I would worship him. And Jesus, as he has done with the woman at the well before, and with a very few people in the world, reveals his true identity. The one speaking to you right now is the Son of Man. The person you are speaking to, the one who gave you sight when you were blind, is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And the man believes him, and the man worships him. Because now, not only can he physically see, but he can spiritually see. This is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who will save him. And Jesus sums it up with a rather unique moral, that he's come to the world so that he might judge people and really help people understand that when you think you can see, if all you see is what's in front of you and you miss the living God, then you can't really see. And if you are blind and can't see much in this world, there's an opportunity where you might be opened up to a spiritual sight, which is exactly what happened to the man who was born blind and now had been set free. It's a whole story about seeing visions, about seeing when before you couldn't see, and it has little to do with being blind and given sight. It has more to do with truly understanding seeing Jesus standing right before you. Like the woman at the well from a couple of weeks ago, here is a man whose eyes were opened. This is truly the Messiah. He worshiped and he believed. Let me ask you this question. Are you all caught up in the present situation in the world and feeling a little lonely and selfish? I suppose many of us are. I must confess it's happened to us all. A time in which we hunker down and we hoard toilet paper of all things and we make sure we have our stuff, whether or not anybody else has their stuff. It's a kind of selfish blindness, if you will, where all we care about is making sure we're surrounded by the comforts that we need. When in reality, a time like this can truly be an opportunity to see way beyond ourselves. Can you imagine a country, a state, a small community in which everyone began to think of others before themselves? No hoarding of toilet paper, sharing so everybody will have enough. No grabbing every particular package 
of hand sanitizer and making sure that no one else has any. No running into stores and grabbing all the baby wipes, even though you don't have a baby in your house, so that those who truly do have children won't have them to use for themselves. No worrying about what anybody else has, but stocking our own shelves with cans and non-perishables and things in our freezers, so at least we'll be okay. And I also heard most recently that one of the big changes in the last few weeks are people running to the hardware stores and running to the gun and ammo shops to buy as many guns as ammo as they can because, first and foremost, they want to protect their own stuff. And second, they believe somehow in a conspiratorial way that the government will use this crisis to come and shut down their use of guns. What have we become? but people who are blind to our community, blind to our state, blind to our own world, we could all be in this together and figuring out a way to lift each other up rather than take from each other and make sure that we have ours and nobody else has theirs. So I make these small suggestions. Perhaps this is a time when we have to hunker down that we might use the phone and call a friend that we know will have difficulty getting to the store. Tomorrow I'm going to the store, we could say. Do you need me to pick anything up for you? I'd be glad to bring it by. Even if we can't talk or touch each other, even if we can't be within 10 feet of each other, I could drop off a bag of things that you need on your front porch and make sure that you're cared for. Maybe we need to call those who can't get out, especially the elderly and ask them if they have all the meds they need. If they don't, offer to go to the store for them. Offer to go to the drugstore for them. Lord knows we've got plenty of extra time. This is an opportunity to use our time to do things for others in the community. That's the way in which we open our eyes so that we can see. And no longer are we blind, but we are spiritually awakened so we can see. I can imagine you'd think up a lot of other ways that you could help during this time of change in our world. And I encourage all of us to do just that. I hope that this story about blindness and spiritual blindness might open our eyes to the possibilities that this kind of an event brings. You learn an awful lot about a person when things go bad. Some people react and give us their very worst. Some people react and give us their very best. I hope that we will open our eyes and see the amazing possibilities that lie before us to do ministry in our own communities, in our state, and in our world. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for opening the eyes of the blind man. Not only did you change his whole life, but you opened his spiritual eyes as well. And once he saw the risen Christ in front of him, what a change it made. Help us to have our eyes open too. In this time of darkness, we might, as a community, as a country, as a world, look out for one another and open each other's eyes to the possibilities of doing ministry and love and kindness to one another. In the name of Christ, we pray all these things. Well, my friends, I hope that your eyes have been opened. I know mine have been. And I hope we'll have an opportunity to help those around us. These are dark times. And it's time to make sure that we become the light that Jesus always said we would become. Be well, be safe, take good care of yourself out there, 
and perhaps one of these days we'll be able to gather together again and share in worship. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. My friends, the service here is ended. May we go in peace. Amen.